Welcome to Superheroes of Science. I'm Stephen. And I'm Sarah. We co-host Science from the Experts. Our guests are professionals doing cutting-edge science right now. They're experts in their field discussing what they know best. So listen up and learn real science from real people. Subscribe now and stay informed of our latest episodes and show your support. Joining us today on Superheroes of Science, we are pleased to welcome Nicole Chavaz, who is president of a sustainable engineering firm known as Greenprint Partners, and also Lucy Kopchak, who is an associate engineer um, with Greenprint Partners. So welcome to both of you. Thank you both of you for being here. And um, I think we're gonna learn a little something about um, green infrastructure. Did we say all that right? Yeah. We usually yes. struggle with introducing one person and introducing yeah. two is like oh, a man, whole new yeah. game for us. Yeah. <laughs> we, I, I feel like we've just like raised the whole bar. Before we can know what you do, I think we need to know what you what is sustainable yes. engineering. I think would be if can we define that what sustainable engineering would be? Yeah, how about our engineer, Lucy? Do you want to take a shot at what that means to you to be a civil engineer focused on sustainability? Sure. Yeah. So um, we are both a civil and planning firm. So I'm on the engineering side and doing a lot of the design work of the projects that we're working on. And so our main focus here is working on green stormwater infrastructure. And so that is a aspect of civil engineering. It's uh, we work in water, stormwater, and then green infrastructure. That's kind of like our um, our lane that we're in in civil engineering. And so, green infrastructure as a whole is basically just um, designing systems that um, use natural process of storing stormwater for like a multiple you benefits that we have. So a lot of it has to do with keeping it out of our uh, stormwater system, our gray infrastructure in order to help um, reduce the amount of uh, volume of water that is in those systems. And then also just keeping water exactly where it is, where it lands and kind of replicating like a natural system of, of uh, infiltrating stormwater um, on our sites that we, that we're uh, working out. Yeah. So when people think of civil engineering, they think of big bridges and yeah. roads and these kind of big gray infrastructure, you know, projects. And when we think of civil infrastructure, we think of nature and trees and plants and soils and how those are also forms of infrastructure that are part of our urban environment and how can those be used in ways to help um, kind of provide critical infrastructure elements to people where they live. Um, and so when we think about sustainability, we're thinking about how we can kind of bring the natural environment back to where we live when historically engineering has done a lot to kind of pave over our cities and pave over that nature. We want to find a way to bring that nature back. Literally pave over. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but it's so what type of projects uh, would your uh, company that, such as? Green, green, green. print infrastructure great and partners green print partners we're struggling um <laughs> what type of projects i noticed lucy said something about the uh, uh keeping water where it stays and out of the gray water so you'll have to explain what gray water means 
And then um, what then it's a, yeah, I have this problem. I ask a bunch of questions. I'm sorry. But so that's my first question is what is, can you explain what you mean by gray water? And second question is what type of projects would, are you, do you accept and you work on as part of this type of company? Yeah, I can take the first half maybe about the gray infrastructure if you want to take the second half. Okay. Um, so we think of uh, the stormwater infrastructure as gray infrastructure and then green infrastructure, which is what we're focusing on. So gray infrastructure is what's been around in cities for um, decades. That's the very traditional concrete pipes, the storm sewers that you see in the streets. It's what is the very traditional system that collects stormwater, transports it to a um, water treatment center, and then um, puts that water back into our system. So that's the, it's the very traditional, like gray, I think is a good way of describing it because it's mostly, it's, um, it's not, it's not a natural system. Okay. Great. And so the type of projects we do are trying to move away from that kind of centralized gray infrastructure or build on it with more nature. So as we've, again, built all these gray systems, we want to find ways to bring more nature back into our communities, both to help manage stormwater, but also create all these additional benefits that we know you get when you bring more, you know, green space and flowers and trees to a community. And so that's called green infrastructure. And so that green infrastructure is basically using natural systems um, to absorb water where it falls, as opposed to having to route it through all of our sewers and, you know, to the wastewater treatment plants. And nature actually does a really great job of, of taking water, absorbing it, storing it, cleaning it much better than all the sophisticated ways that we've tried to engineer, um, you know, water systems in the past. So what that looks like is rain gardens, it can be green roofs, permeable pavers that allow water to be absorbed right where it falls, as opposed to kind of moving it into centralized systems. And our goal is to work with cities and sewer districts and private property owners to design and construct as many of these green features as we can to make our cities more resilient and greener. That was exactly the question I was going to ask you. Just you just kind of finished with that is who who are the who are some of the people that you'll collaborate with on these projects? Yeah. So what's really interesting about green infrastructure is that we, you know, it's, it's distributed. We need rain gardens all over the city to have it achieve the kind of impact we want to see it achieve. And so that means, you know, it, it involves everybody. Whereas again, our, our sewers, you know, our, our historical sewer systems, a city, a utility could kind of manage that all on their own. It's all under our streets, it's underground. But if we want to put rain gardens everywhere, everyone has to work together. So we will work with both public agencies like municipalities or sewer districts to help them figure out how to plan and design rain gardens on public property. And then we'll also work with private property owners who may be interested in making their sites more resilient against flooding or helping kind of contribute to um, the climate resiliency of their neighborhoods to install these types of systems on their sites as well. So it, it takes a city, it takes a village of everybody who lives, works and plays in a community to be able to uh, install these things to allow them to have the impact we're looking for. So um, I, I heard the word flooding there. And so because I'm going through in my head, I mean, I, it's, and it, don't take it that I'm really a bad person. I do care about the environment, but I'm going to ask it in a way that I don't. Um, why do I care? Why would someone care about being green? I mean, 
It just sounds like it's more expensive to me. Why would I want that? Don't look at me that way, sir. <laughs> just judging, right? <laughs> yeah, I totally picked up on that. I already said I do care. <laughs> yeah, so with climate change, the impacts of climate change mean that we're seeing heavier rainfalls, stronger storms, and our infrastructure is not really equipped to deal with the level of rain activity that we've been seeing we're here based in Chicago, and this summer we had a number of very large storms that flooded our streets, it flooded people's basements. And so it's here, we have to deal with it, and we need to find new innovative ways to try to manage all that rainwater. Otherwise, we're just going to continue to see more and more flooding events that make it hard to, you know, just live our daily lives. We work with a lot of schools, for example, where when it rains heavily, they can't even use their soccer fields because they become ponds. And so these sorts of systems can help uh, manage that water so that their playgrounds are more available for use more more days of the year as a result. And that's just what, one example of how flooding impacts kind of everybody in a day-to-day -day level and why it behooves us all to want to be a part of that solution. How long does it take if you're, if let's say you have a soccer field that floods regularly every year and um, whoever's in charge of the soccer field decides they want to do something about that. What's the timeline that they're looking at, and generally speaking, where you would start to notice um, some of that flooding, a flooding event, you know, like fewer flooding events from working with-, with That was like an awkward way of saying, hey, how long does it take to do a project? Yeah, right. You okay. were asking so nice, <laughs> hey, how long is it take? <laughs> <laughs> how long do you, yeah. approximately how long does that type of project take? Yeah, Lucy, do you want to take a shot at how long it typically takes to design and then construct a, a rain garden, for example? Yeah, um, I think the the longest part of it that may be people don't realize is the design process and everything before it's shovel ready and it's able to be constructed. So we start from usually, you know, meeting with the landowners, seeing what is available on the property, seeing what naturally um, we can what stormwater is able to be captured on that site. There is a, um, you know, an origination kind of this like concept plan, very high level. We go through, you know, all the way through 30, 60, 100% design process, get that, get everything permitted, work with, um, you know, our, our contractors. And then the construction usually takes a few months, but what is um, the majority, the bulk of the project is all the design stuff and making sure that everything works. You know, it's it's a natural system, like Nicole said, but they are engineered systems in order to um, store a lot more stormwater than it probably looks from the surface. Sometimes it can just look like a few plants um, above ground, but what's really working is everything below ground that rainwaters are designed to do is to hold as much stormwater as they're designed to be. <laughs> I, I like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's obviously it's very important that we do that. And I know here, like in Lafayette, where we are, <laughs> they just did a huge project separating the stormwater and the sewage water yes. and, and doing, I don't know, roads were for clearly years. Yeah. Right. That size of the project for years. But it was too, it's so everything didn't drain into our sewer system. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, which makes our water cleaner in uh, quite a number of ways. So you don't have... Mm -hmm flood events they don't have discharge as much discharge and things like that and mm -hmm. so our waterways are much healthier along with the mm -hmm. ecosystems around us and so it's it's um i definitely see 
where the scope of a project would determine a lot of your time mm -hmm. within that mm -hmm. type of project. But I, I've always wondered who decides those things. <laughs> Is it a negotiation then that you're doing as, let's say, let's say a city, the, um, the science city, we're going to design a city. You're okay. yeah. We should. Yeah. Okay. Be fun. Um, we're designing our, our, it's called the, the science city and we're going to come to you and say, okay, we want to design this. So it does trap the water. We, we want we want that water to stay there, both because we want it to trickle in for the groundwater to use later and uh, don't want to just run away and uh, to help control runoff, which mm -hmm. pick up pollutants, things like that. Who makes all those decisions then on how that needs to happen? Yeah, so it's usually the city department of public works or the water department. Every city has a different government structure, which makes it challenging because everywhere does it a little bit differently. It's kind of hard to to translate, you know, solutions or approaches from city to city because every government is structured differently. But for the most part, it's a public works department or a water department. It is led by engineers um, who make those decisions, who partner with other departments. Um, where, you know, it's, it takes a lot of, uh, cooperation. So you might have the streets department, the public works department, a water department that all need to work together to make these decisions collaboratively, um, which can take a long time. And people may have different perspectives on, uh, what the right use of our space is or how to design things. So, um, it, it definitely requires folks working together in a really positive way. Now, how much leeway it's, it's like, so if I came to you for our city of science, mm -hmm. Um, I like this idea. Okay. Got me there. Sure. I think you should be. Yeah. And so as the mayor of the future city of science, um, if I come to you and say, okay, this is what we want, are you going to be like, okay, here, talk to Lucy and she'll just draw that up? Or is Lucy then, is she, are you then, are, as the engineer for that, are you designing that yourself? Or then are you working with teams of people that you're collaborating with to pull in all of that knowledge and expertise. How does that work? I asked uh, that in the most awkward way. I'm surprised. Yeah, no, I, I, I get what you're, <laughs> what you're getting at. A lot of this is in collaboration with those, um, uh, city, uh, what do you call them? Like public works. So department. It is mainly with those people, the city type people. I, right, so yeah, I never recall you said that, well, you work with the city. And I got yeah. feeling you're thinking, I just answered that question, but uh, it, I just didn't know how much your team mm -hmm. was in charge of developing a variety. Because if I'm clueless about all that, let's face it, I am, then uh, I'm going to rely on you, obviously. But I didn't know if you brought in other experts, too, or or if it's just yeah. like, you, know, you need to come up with, I have to bring in the experts. How does that work? Yeah, so um, for a bigger vision, kind of like what you're talking about for for a city of science, the engineers obviously bring their design chops. They know how to design these systems, but we also are a planning firm, and that's where people are thinking a little bit more broadly about how do we think about these solutions on a city scale as opposed to just how do we design these rain gardens to achieve a specific goal. And so what our planning team does is they play that role of kind of collaborator, convener, making sure that all the folks who do need to be in the room to have this conversation, make decisions are working together. And then the other really key part of what we do is make sure that the community has a voice in the process. So we don't want to design these systems and then find out that the community doesn't like, you know, X, Y, Z, or that they're getting in the way of 
parts of the city that they were planning to use for other things. So we also want to make sure that we're doing a really robust community engagement to get a sense of what the priorities of the community are, what challenges they're facing that we can help solve, what things they care about that we can kind of design for. So I made I use the example of a school. Um, if we're designing a school in City of Science that um, is having flooding issues and wants to, you know, become a great new green space, they might tell us about how their kids love to play soccer and they want their soccer field to be dry year round and that they uh, are really interested in, in integrating their science curriculum with their new projects so that they can learn more about green infrastructure and different types of plants and um, wildlife that may be coming to their site now that they have these new cool new projects in place. And so, so that's where the planning part of our company comes in is to kind of bring together all these different perspectives and expertises to try to set kind of clear shared goals and then do what needs to be done to achieve them. I think that's great to get that community input then as well. I'm glad to hear that's part of that process. That's, that's really neat. So you feel like just as average Joe yeah. um, or average deep, uh, it's like, <laughs> your voice is never heard. And so to hear from a firm that helps design and plan things like, oh no, public is very important what they want. That's reassuring. Yeah. That really is. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what's neat about green infrastructure. You know, Lucy talked about the, you know, historical green infrastructure is big sewers underground. You didn't really, community wasn't necessarily engaged on we're building big sewer underground other than to say, hey, we might be tearing your street up. Yeah. Sorry. But with green, it's visible. It's plants in your community. You know, it's a real opportunity for more community collaboration because a new visible investment that's a living, breathing, you know, uh, form of infrastructure is is coming to a community. And we want to make sure that we're bringing everyone together around it. Now, I see it, it seems like. And uh, I'm just guessing that uh, I don't know if like federal or state rules has have changed and stuff, but it seems like all projects have a lot more of the green engineering side these days. Have are there like laws, ordinances, whatever in place that uh, make that more of a priority than it used to be? Too. Yeah, a lot of cities are getting more stringent in their regulations to require more green solutions. So Milwaukee, for example, is a, it's, it's a great example of a city that's really going all in on green infrastructure. And so now any new building that's built in the city of Milwaukee has to incorporate green infrastructure on the sites to help manage its stormwater and bring more green space into that community. So it's a tool that cities have to spur more investment in green infrastructure by requiring it in new development, for example. Yeah. We teach several water quality programs and stuff. And so we're always talking about, you know, runoff and it, how pollutants happen and buffer zones and and I can't remember what, what that one rep oh, starts with an R. Repair is respite. Repair is in zone. Oh, whatever. Riparian. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Struggle with words. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know English was my original language. <laughs> uh, wait, it's my only language. But um, I can't speak. I haven't mastered it yet. But it's, we see, we, we, just we talk about these and teach to students the importance of these <laughs> for the environment around us and how each of everything within the environment is connected and how our health is dependent on the health of the environment around us. Mm -hmm. And so it's I, I, I'm glad to hear that more places are doing ordinances that require that. 
I'm sure as a company, you're glad too. It, not, <laughs> not just as an individual, but as a company, you're glad too, because I'm guessing that helps a little bit with uh, the business side and the, the demand. But uh, how, and you mentioned uh, private property too, was one of the things you mean. You said cities, you, you, in the list, I, I remember hearing cities, I remember hearing private property. If for me wanting to do my little homestead area, would I also, um, do people like that contact you too, saying, hey, I'd like to redo this and make this more green? Do, I mean, do you plan smaller projects or is it just mainly huge projects? Yeah. So what's neat about rain gardens is that they can be huge to support like many millions of gallons of stormwater, you know, on a large site, or they can also be in someone's backyard. I actually have a rain garden in my own backyard um, that takes the water from our roof and then uh, directs it into the rain garden, um, which is, is really neat. It's a nice way for me to make my own personal impact. That's a smaller project that a company like Greenprint is maybe a little too small for us, but there are a lot of smaller local landscape contractors who can do the exact same work and give the exact same benefit. It's just a much smaller version of the type of larger projects that we at Greenprint do. Okay. Nice. That'd be more of a landscaping places that do those then, the small ones? Yeah. And that's a an interesting um, development, I guess, with green infrastructure is that the type of maintenance the type of construction and maintenance for a bunch of rain gardens is very different from the type of construction and maintenance for a huge pipe. And so it takes a different workforce to be able to do that. And so one of the things that's happening is a lot of landscaping firms are sort of upskilling to be able to uh, install and maintain these rain gardens that are very similar to landscaping. But as Lucy mentioned, they, have, they you know, the soils are different. Things about them are different. They require a different, a slightly different approach. Um, and and just knowledge of of how to maintain these kinds of systems. So we also need uh, the companies uh, that service these types of projects to be able to kind of keep up with this uh, evolution towards green infrastructure. And so how how do how do y'all get clients? Is that do you actively send out say hey we do this we know you're planning something or or do they automatically searching for you already? Yeah, it's a few different things. Um, some of it is relationship building. So um, we've got relationships with a lot of the largest sewer districts and municipalities that are doing a lot of green infrastructure investment. What's also really interesting is a way that a lot of cities are are making green infrastructure happen is by actually providing grants to property owners. So another thing that we do in a lot of cities where these grant programs is, exist is we will go find sites that are a really good fit. They've got a huge parking lot or a big roof that's creating a lot of runoff. And they've got green space that could be turned into rain gardens or bioswales that could you know, manage that runoff that are eligible for these grant programs. So another thing that we do often is help property owners like schools and churches and community centers take advantage of these grant programs so that they can get these neat projects on their site, but recognize that you know, they're not engineering firms. This is not something they do regularly. They need some support to be able to know the program exists, apply for the funds, design a project, hire contractors. And so that's something that we can do to kind of support them through that entire process. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome because places like that wouldn't think they would have access to a Lucy. <laughs> need someone to design this, but they wouldn't know where to go. So that's really awesome that yeah. you're looking for those and helping them make those um connections mm -hmm. so that they can improve their those spaces too but uh, yeah it's i don't know why it surprises me a little bit 
Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Lucy, is there any like favorite project? Lucy does a lot of the design for that kind of project. So talk about like a favorite project she's working on now and, and what it looks like. Sure. Yeah. One of them, um, off the top of my head is it out in, um, San Francisco. So San Francisco has a really defined wet and dry period. And so we're working, it's a, a school and a church. And so they have a playground area and a large field that in half the year it's wet and in half the year it's dry and the grass dies and they Obviously, it's in San Francisco, so they pay a lot of money to water their field. They have an irrigation system right now. And so something that we were able to do through a grant program, like Nicole mentioned, is create um, subsurface uh, chambers underneath that field that's going to store the water year-round during the wet season and then use that water to irrigate the field during the dry season so they Um, Hopefully we'll have a closed system basically that they won't have to buy any water and they'll be storing it under that field. So that's in the design process right now. I'm currently (laughs) working on that. Uh, I think that's like a really interesting and innovative way to like have multi-benefits to um, this one site. Oh, that's amazing. That, that 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 that's even possible to design something like that. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of really the so the system that we're using uses to water the field. Also, it uses um, like capillary action to draw water up from the from the subsurface system, and so that saves like ninety nine percent of the water that's captured instead of you know, spraying it with a sprinkler, you lose yeah. like a huge percent of that water. So it's just like another way that it's like this engineered system to like give them exactly what they're looking for. Oh, that is. Now, how did you, um, how did you learn that? Because uh, <laughs> I'm thinking in my head, she's an engineer. How does she know that? And so how do you learn? How would someone, if I, I'm like, okay, that's cool. I'll never grow up, but some people might grow up and want to be like you. And uh, so how do you learn stuff like that? What, what um, is curious and stuff? Yeah, I uh, am a graduate of Purdue and was in the Tripoli program, the environmental and ecological engineering uh, program there. I'm a proud Boilermaker. Um, <laughs> and what really got me introduced to green infrastructure was um, Dr. Lindsay Payne's course that I took, I think my junior year, it was, um, Tripoli 495, I think it was called Urban Water Projects. Um, if anyone's listening and is interested <laughs> in infrastructure, it's a great class. Everyone loved it. Um, but it mimicked kind of the work that I'm doing right now. And so we worked with a community partner in Lafayette. Um, I worked with a, a it was called Bauer Community Center, and we worked with that client really closely. We walked around their site. We figured out what was feasible. We wrote a grant. Um, it was, I think, under $10,000. Worked with a contractor, designed with, like, it was the whole process. And it was one of the first real world experiences of creating, like, an engineering project from the start to the end. And having all of those, like, impacts in the community and working with kids, they came out there and helped us plant um, the rain garden when we were in construction. Um, So I think that really like piqued my interest in 
in green infrastructure and stormwater, but also this like higher level of um, like the planning aspect and looking at something on like a city scale uh, and bringing those like green aspects to a city. That's cool. Now, Nicole, you own this company that we're speaking of. And so what background, if, if I wanted to be, that's aspires a little higher than I think I could do, but I, I wanted to really step up my game when I grow up and actually be an owner of something like this. What's your background to be able to do something like this? Yeah. So my background is in business, accounting, finance. I have an accounting degree. Um, but my, you know, I, I was an accountant for two years and immediately said, this, this is not for me. <laughs> but so I, I had this business sensibility, but I wanted to apply it to things that I cared about. And I've always cared about sustainable urban development and climate solutions. And so I wanted to find a way to bring my business experience to work that mattered to me. And that's what kind of drew me to the planning and engineering field, because it really is, I just see these sustainable tools to support our built environment as being so valuable. So that's what led me and my co-founder, whose background is more in community planning, to uh, start the company together. And I could bring that kind of business operations perspective to how to run the business. She could bring that planning perspective. And then we eventually brought engineers in to build out our engineering team as well. So we could provide all these different services. Um, so, you know, I've always, I'm not an engineer, I'm not a planner, but I love working with them because I learned so much from them. And I really see my role as helping to make sure that they are getting the kind of work that gets them up every day, that gets them excited to put pen to paper and, you know, design these cool projects and work with the community and make sure that they have a, you know, uh, uh, all, everything that they need to do their job and, and be happy in it. So, um, so I think it's, it, you know, the business background helps, but just like a passion to learn and learn from others and, you know, be a resource to them is just, I think, yeah, it's the, what I bring every day to, to the job and to the company. That's awesome. Very cool. Well, we appreciate your time and anyway, we appreciate learning more about green infrastructure. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Do your pitch. Um, we were going to ask for one favor before we let you go. Um, it's one each, though. <laughs> yeah, one each. Don't believe her when she says um, one. <laughs> I don't fall for that anymore. We are building a STEM career repository. So this kind of started teachers, K classroom teachers, um, are being asked to teach students about potential STEM careers. But as you might recognize um, teachers have very limited time to be able to delve into the vast possibility of STEM careers that exist. And so what we're doing is reaching out to people and just at there, it's a, I mean, maybe two minutes, but we're asking people to introduce themselves and their career and then talk a little bit about how really kind of the last thing we were talking about anyways, and, and what we just said, um, kind of what, how you got to the career where you are. So maybe what you studied, um, what's involved in your everyday job, and maybe something unique or interesting that you've experienced in this role. And we're inputting all of these into a, a keyword searchable list. Um, we, our goal is for students around the world to be able to look at this comprehensive list of STEM professionals and find someone that they can um, identify. identify with 
and that who who is a successful professional in a STEM career. So just that, you know, that person's like me, I could do that too. I, you know, and so um last part of the pitch. The last part of the pitch is um if you are fluent in a language. In addition to English, we are also, um, we've had several entries where um, it's been in both English and another language. So we would invite you, if, if that's applicable, to um, record it in both English and. So we don't know if you, if you, yeah, you help us with this. <laughs> yeah, I would be happy to help. That's, I feel like that's the most important thing that you don't know what's out there until you learn about it. I didn't. I didn't know about this career in high school, and I think it would have been really valuable. Um, Absolutely. I don't know a second language, but I'm happy to to share. Um, yeah. That's totally fine. <laughs> and exactly like what you said, students don't know. They just don't know. But what we love about this is the keyword searchable. So, you know, um, we'll obviously we'll add these keywords in, but it's, you know, whatever the students are interested right now, we've got about 75 entries, but cool. we're, we're really working hard. We want to get a good 500 entries in. we were hoping by the end of the year, but it's going a little slower than yeah. what, you know, our original goal was. Um, but we feel like once we can hit several hundred, that this is really going to start to become a very mm -hmm. useful tool. Teachers are, they want it they wanted it when we first introduced it this summer. They're like, give it, we want it now. And well, we're building it now. You can't have it just yet. And um, and so they're they're anxious about it. But yeah, so if you so if you're open to that, we would love and this is just kind of still part of the recording. We'll just kind of mm -hmm. stop and then um have you say your name and like I said, name, career, kind of some how did you get to that? You know, what was kind of your background? What are some things you do on a normal, like what are some normal or some job responsibilities related to your career? And then maybe something unique or interesting that you've experienced in this role. Sure. And the, do you, the, this is part of this recording that you yeah, want yeah. to share? Yeah. Is this a separate? Okay. Yeah, we'll just. I'll just edit it out. I'll edit it. Again, post-production. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Go, Lucy. Okay. <laughs> Hi, I am Lucy Kopchak. I am an associate engineer at Greenprint Partners, and I live and am based in Chicago. I went to Purdue University and studied in their environmental and ecological engineering program and graduated in 2018. I started working at a pretty traditional civil engineering firm right out of college before um, starting at my current job last year. So right now, uh, my day-to-day -day responsibilities are pretty, I have a range of things that we work on. So within the, um, the projects that we work on, most of it, I am in CAD. I work in Civil 3D. We have all of our plans in there. That's where I'm designing rain gardens. I work in green infrastructure. So that's where all the design takes place and setting up uh, sheets in there. I work really collaboratively within my engineering team too. So we're constantly using feedback from each other and checking in with um, my supervisor to make sure that plans are going well. 
I am also working with the planning department too, which is pretty interesting on more high level things and using my engineering input on programs that they're running as well to implement green infrastructure into their, um, to certain communities. Um, something interesting about my job, I think more recently has been interacting with the communities that I'm working in. There's a lot of urban flooding issues in Chicago and I've been able to join the planning department and talking to the community and figuring out exactly what they want and where they want it and why and listening to um, their stories and being able to like provide real solutions to some of their, their flooding issues. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Hi, Nicole. Great. All right. Me too. Even though I, even though I'm on the business side, but I'm like, I'm but you're in a STEM field. field. You're yeah, still in a still STEM field. Yeah, and so true. we need people that know business in the STEM field yeah. for land sites. And so, <laughs> and so it's very important. Okay, great. So just remind me again uh, what you wanted me to cover yeah. in it again. So name, um, job title, kind of your background to getting to this, um, some day-to-day responsibilities that you, they that are typical, and then something um, interesting or unique that you've experienced in this role. All right. Let me just quickly think about my unique, interesting thing. So I don't have an ha uh, in the middle of it. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. Great. Hi, I'm Nicole Shabas. I'm the president and chief operating officer of Greenprint Partners. We are a sustainable planning and civil engineering firm. My background is in accounting and finance, um, which I worked in in the investment management industry for 10 years before I realized I really wanted to use my experience towards something I really cared about, which for me is sustainable urban development. And that's what really drew me to the planning and civil engineering fields as uh, a field that can really help people live, work and play in a built environment that really serves them and and creates healthy environments um, to to live in. And so started Greenprint with my co-founder to bring a business perspective to how we could grow a firm that really cared about how we can create sustainable places to live that really benefit people. And I get to use my accounting and finance skills every day to run the business. But what really is exciting is that I get to work every day with people who have technical expertise that I don't have that I get to learn from with urban planners and civil engineers who teach me about what they do and allow me to help them find ways to get to do what they do um, even better. And so what's, uh, I, you know, I had never anticipated when I got into accounting and finance that I would be working with civil engineers. I didn't even know what civil engineers were, uh, but now I do and it's really cool. And so I think just the amount of learning I get to do bringing a business perspective to a STEM field, uh, even though I didn't get the technical um, education in it, I get still get to learn about it every day and bring that um, and just take the learnings that I get from my teammates um, to everything that I do. And that makes it a, a lot of fun. So every day is something new. Perfect. Yeah, love it. Uh, two last things. When I make those career videos, since we got more than one from your company, would you like uh, to send me a company logo? And I will put that on the front of that, both those videos. Oh, great. And that way it uh, is a artifact for you as well. Mm -hmm. And if you're wanting um, anything special in, in the outro, um, like it, how would 
people contact you? Do you want a website or something like that on there? Send that to me as well. And we'll put that in the outro in the credits at the very end. And so the, we get to push um, your company a little bit. It's right. not advertising. We're not allowed to do that. But uh, still, it's um, where you put your name on so they know where you're from and all of that stuff. Sure. If, if you're okay with that. Perfect. Yeah, I'll follow up with all of that. Great. And the, the very last thing is uh, I think that we need uh, the DOD, if you don't mind. Uh, dirt on Dan. <laughs> anything we can like use the next time we're messing with health would be great oh man it's so great to work with and he's so, fun to mess with yeah. i i feel like i should get you like a old picture or something halloween's oh. coming up i have uh, i'm gonna find this picture uh I, I, this is an old Cartoon. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Have you ever heard of this cartoon? Aqua Teen sounds familiar. Yes. Uh, there's a character that's a giant milkshake. A okay. giant milkshake. <laughs> and so my brother went to this giant milkshake for Halloween. And, and, oh. and I just have this image of him. I was at the party. At a party. And we were meeting at it. And it opened the door open. And in comes my brother. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. his way through the door. <laughs> Giant milkshake costume. That's hilarious. Love it. <laughs> That'd be perfect. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, I need conspirators. That. Yeah, I know. It's all about taking it up level. Can you imagine? You can't like, do this. I know. See, that's the yeah. beautiful part. Yeah. He'll know because he knows he he's want to connect with it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but all right. Well, send send me your logo. And uh, anything that you would like in the outro credits for that, I will make those, uh, the career ones, probably before I make the interview one. Yes. And, um, but I will send you all three as drafts for you to look at and approve. So once mm -hmm. you, you both are like, yep, go with that, then uh, that's what we'll do before they're ever live for the public to see. So, and so don't uh, do us a favor and don't uh, share out the drafts to people until we do official push of those uh, because it doesn't count in our views if you do. Hey, it's a little number. It is, I know, it's all yeah. our, our life, I mean, we show yeah. impact the things we do for like Dan. And yeah, he writes right, a grant right. and we do the broader impacts part of that. Uh -huh. And the bigger our numbers are, the more likely he's the broader impact is gonna be successful for him. This grant. And so it's, that, that's why we, that's, that's the only reason we care about those. Or we didn't used to. We're like, oh, I guess it's kind of neat. Yeah, I know. Well, that's changed. I feel like I used to. All right. The career portal, too. Is that something that, like, I would be able to share if you guys yes, want to like, get more people to give you videos? So oh, that, that would be, be outstanding. Fantastic. We started it in August. I'm like, yeah, by Labor Day, we'll have 100. By the end of the year, we'll have 500. We haven't hit a hundred yet. Yeah. Um, We're trying. Teachers are really wanting it because it's you yeah. type anything you teach, type in a keyword what you're teaching, hydrology, boom, your video is going to come up, right? Because right. you mentioned that. And so all these different videos related to anything they teach yeah. and how, what a resource is this going to be once we get it all together. But definitely anyone you can get that out, we'll send you uh, the email that we've been sending yeah. out 
okay. like this week we started, we sent out and reached out to a couple of the companies with people we know. And we're like, hey, we'll do the logo for you. And, you know, just kind of trying to put carrots to help. That way it's kind of advertising, informal advertising. Or yeah, I yeah. can't remember what they call that. Right. Um, but, uh, so you get something out of not just doing things for, right. Because it's the right thing to do and should. <laughs> right. But we'll send that to y'all then. Yeah. Get it. 